Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Welcome to the 2X Podcast. Here's your host, Bill Kasky. Hey, 2X Podcast listeners, Bill Kasky. Got a special treat for you today and next week, too. I've got a two-part series that I'm going to be running. I had a chance to interview one of the top sports psychologists. His name is Dr. Rob Bell, and he's written a book called No One Gets There Alone. And Rob coaches PGA professionals, tennis players, gymnasts, teams, team sports, And I think you'll find this interview really interesting because he talks about a story that uh, happened to him when he was racing in a um, triathlon. And uh, it's really fascinating stuff. And I want you to get to know Rob a little bit, and we'll have him on this week. And then again, next week, I'll run part two of the interview. And he talks about performance and mindset. And rather than me babbling on about him, here is my interview with Dr. Rob Bell. We are delighted today to have uh, one Dr. Rob Bell, who is author of No One Gets There Alone. He's a sports psychology coach, and he's agreed to sit down with uh, me for a little bit today and talk a little bit about high performance, about achievement, about coaching. And of course, on the 2X podcast, we're constantly focused on what we all can be doing to become better at what we do in the sales and leadership arena. So, Dr. Bell, thanks for joining us I'm today. excited to be here. I love this. Tell me a little bit about your story. I know you're a sports psychology coach. I know a little bit about what you do now, but bring the listeners up to date. Just give us a couple minutes on how you even got into this crazy profession and what was the evolution, and, and then we'll get into the book and some of your concepts that I find interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was an athlete growing up, and, and even today I always say everybody's an athlete our office is just different. And so being an athlete growing up, I mean, there was a couple of sports that I played and excelled at. One was baseball and one was soccer. I never thought at all during playing soccer. You just played. But baseball, I thought all the time. No one could ever help me out. They would always say, well, the butterflies would go away once the game started, and, and that never worked. So I was either really, really on or I was completely a mess. And there was no consistency in all my performance. No one could ever help me out. And that's what planted the seed. And then what really happened was – and this is going to date me a little bit, but in the 90s, there was the Dan and Dave commercials. Who's going to win gold medal in Barcelona, Spain, in the decathlon? Reebok. They had, like, the pump. And, um, and so, you know, it was, a great, it was a great campaign because we started paying attention to a really obscure sport like decathlon. You know, we had this little formality called Olympic trials. And who was going to win gold in Barcelona, Spain was the whole campaign. But Dan O'Brien was on world record pace at the U.S. trials. He's, he's going to win, but he no heights in the pole vault. So he goes from first to last. He doesn't even make the Olympic team. Reebok pulls the commercials, and then we're just kind of left wondering, well, what's going to happen? So I started following this guy's career. I cut out that article because up to that point in my life, I was like, how does that happen? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Started following his career. He started seeing a 
mental performance coach, a sports psychology coach, someone that would help him with his routines, with his confidence, how to refocus. And then in, uh, in Atlanta, then he won the gold medal. And when he started seeing that guy, that's when I knew that's what I wanted to do wow. with my life. Now, you were playing baseball at that time. Yeah. So that you were syncing up some of those things that were happening to you personally with what you saw Oh, absolutely. There. Yeah. I strike yeah. out with the bases loaded. And I'm like, how does that happen? You yeah. know, I do this all the time in practice. And then to see it on the biggest stage yeah. like that. So you got interested in that then. And then uh, it, t- tell me how you've evolved maybe over the past, you know, 5, 10, 12 years. You know, again, from knowing that point on my undergrad, what I wanted to do, I went to grad school, um, you know, Temple University, went to University of Tennessee, started working with professional golfers and uh, and then the golf piece took off. So I started caddying on tour, started working with golfers on tour. And then from that, just a lot of different sports evolved. And I'm all about the office. So my office changes a lot. Sometimes it's on the golf course, sometimes it's tennis courts, sometimes it's swimming pools, sometimes it's executive board. So I love all different sports. And like I said, everybody's an athlete. Yeah. And that's the way I've always approached this. And then you know, I, I love writing as well. I love getting the ideas out there. And uh, this is my sixth book that got published. And, you know, it's really just about helping people, I think, be of significance, including success. We all want success, but I think that significance part is what's really important. Yeah, I'm starting to hear more about that. That significance, that word pops up more and more today. And, uh, and I totally agree with it. I think that we just get, well, we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about the book. So, you say that you're, you, you have an office. Sometimes it's a field. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a court. So tell me a little bit about the fundamentals that you coach that are similar in the business world versus the athletic world. Just Absolutely. give me two or three that you say, I don't care what you say, these are identical. There might be some differences we can talk about later, but yeah. what are the identicals? Yeah, I think the intricacies are, are different, but the base are always the same. I mean, it always gets back to motivation for one. That's that's the basis of all mental toughness. Um, how bad do you want it? Perseverance, your why. Your why has to make you cry. You know, the persistence piece, it always gets back to that. And that's why I love working with high achievers, because usually that motivation to be the absolute best is there. But our why changes over time. That's the piece that always changes. You know, once yeah. we start to get some success, okay, well, what now? And that's the part where we always get back to that, our motivation. You know, from that, then the other piece is we're always working on confidence. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a game of chess. I mean, confidence is king. It's the most important piece in the game. When we lose confidence, it's really tough to get that back. Yeah. So I say focus is queen. So, like, the king is how we lose the game. When we lose confidence, it's how we lose it. But focus is how we win it. We win it by moving our queen. And then from our focus and having that, you know, being able to focus on the right things, then we just really have a refocus. How do we let go of mistakes and, and bad stuff that happens? And how do we move on and, yeah. and respond, don't react? So I presume that somebody who isn't real focused or doesn't have their why in mind, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for them to lose the focus because that, that you know, I always say it's like the, it's like the bright light. If, if the bright light doesn't exist or it's dull or I'm not even looking in the right direction, then everything that gets in my way is going to be a major problem. If the, if the light is bright at the end of the tunnel, nothing's in my way. Yeah. And that's that focus. So, so here, here was a question. When you were going through that first part, talk about motivation. I run into a lot of people who on the surface look very motivated. And when you look at their life, they appear to be motivated up at 530, working out, making great income, always improving. But there often is a emptiness. And so the question is to me, am I motiv- I'm motivated. I wake up every day with a full bucket. But 
am I motivated about the right things? Am I really doing life's work? Like you said, what you, the why should make you cry. Yeah. I don't think a lot of times it does because we've just, we've kind of got on this path and the path continues to expand and more is expected of us on this path. And most of the time, more can, we can give more, but at some point we say, am I even on the right path? What, what happens when you see that? Or do you ever, do you ever see it? Yeah, I, I see a lot. I mean, sometimes, you know, with financial companies, you know, the bosses want their guys who are making a half a million dollars a year, they want them to become three quarters of a million dollars a year. What's the why for that one? Because you're going to be working a whole lot extra harder, like for what? And I really just think it gets back to this. Are we helping other people in our life? And is that part of our mission? I mean, we get to see people that have success and there's no better feeling than that, you know, is if they're reaching their goals. And a lot of times, you know, we can just become so, you know, self-seeking, so selfish in, in what we're doing that it's just all about us. And yeah. if stuff starts to go bad in our life, then I, I need to, I get in protect mode. I got to make sure I still get in mine instead of reaching out and being able to help others. And then that's, that's sort of that candle analogy. Just because our candle is lit, we can light a whole bunch of different candles. That doesn't yeah. mean ours is going to go out. Right. But, but we yeah. have that protect mindset. Yeah. And that's the thing. We live in yeah. scarcity mindset right. rather than abundance. We talk about that a lot, abundance mindset, scarcity mindset. And I love that, the way you uh, frame that, uh, that when we get too immersed in our own stuff, we're not really doing the work that we intended to do, which is helping others. And I, I, everybody that I see who's high achieving is they have others as part of that role in some way. Yes. And I always say, in fact, there's a guy named Rabbi Daniel Lappin who's written several books about money. He wrote a book called Thou Shalt Prosper, and he writes it from the Jewish tradition kind of perspective. And he says the interesting thing about the Jewish tradition is that we are so interested in helping someone knowing that if we help enough people, we'll, get, we'll make plenty of money. We'll have plenty of success. Absolutely. But it's got to start with that. And so you see that, too, that, that uh, it's that other-centeredness. Yeah, I mean, no one gets there alone. The piece that i found that goes beyond that is the best way out of our own stuff is to focus on others. And we get out of our own problems, our own issues, um, our own, you know, setbacks. And, and just to be able to share with other people um, how our experience can benefit others and the fact that if we're able to help people, it helps us at the same Absolutely. time. You know, you never hear Absolutely. somebody that goes that volunteers. I've never heard it and say, man, I'm just, I'm so glad I was able to help them out. They say they helped me out yeah. more than I ever helped them. Yeah. Well, what did they do? Well, they just gave me that renowned sense of perspective <laughs> exactly. and how, geez, I, I was really mad at my latte was, was not as hot as it wanted to be. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's the piece that we miss. If we help out enough people, it helps us out. Yeah. How many times do you hear somebody who volunteers for a worthy cause come back and say, man, I, I hated the people I worked with. It was terrible. <laughs> and they never do. You always say, right. God, that, that was good. Yep. That was good. And it was good for the other people, but it's good for your soul. Yeah. And, and usually the time heading into that stuff, they're anxious. They're like, boy, I wonder what's yeah. going to happen. And, and it's only after we go through that experience. And, yeah. and that's the piece, right? We can't Google an experience. We can't get that unless we're immersed in what we're doing. Yeah. Speaking today, by the way, with Dr. Rob Bell, sports psychologist, what, what is the proper website that we can have people go to? Sure. It's just uh, drrobbell.com. Every okay. week, I'm giving away a book. Okay. Every single week. Okay, good. 
So the book is called No One Gets There Alone. Tell us a little bit about the premise, and then we'll get into maybe two or three things that apply to a business person. Absolutely. I'm sure it all applies. So one of the things that happen uh, in my life is I'm always seeking out challenges, especially physical challenges. It's just what I do. What came across my email screen one night is that there was going to be a half Ironman. There was only, you know, half Ironman is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, 13.1 mile run. There's only a couple of problems with that. Number one, I hadn't been training for this race. Number two, I didn't even own a bike. And the third thing is this race was in two weeks. <laughs> not training, not own a bike. That would be number one for me. Right. It's okay. <laughs> I said, sure, why not? I'll sign up. Yeah. Signed up for the race, uh, procured a bike from a friend, you know, to, to make the story a little bit shorter, but it was, um, I asked him the night before, like, what happens if I get a flat tire? He said, would you know how to change it? I said, no, not at all. He said, well, don't worry about it then. I said, great, man, one less thing. So you know where I'm kind of going with this. Uh, the swim goes fine. I'm at mile 30 on the bike, and I'm cresting the only hill in this race, the only hill in Indiana, and I get a flat tire. And now I'm stuck on the side of the road, not having anything to change it, people cresting the hill, taking off. I'm there, you know, I'm a four-year-old kid again because I'm absolutely helpless. I'm there probably about five, seven minutes. Clock still goes, clock's still going. And then finally a guy stops Asked me, do you have anything to change? I said, I don't have anything. He takes his cartridge and takes his, uh, his tube, tosses it to me, and says, well, here you go, and kind of takes off. And it's one of those Disney moments, Bill, I'm waving. I'm like, wow, like, oh, thank you so much. I'll never forget you. And as he does that, another guy stops and says, do you know what you're doing? Another racer, mind you. And I said, I have no idea. He pulls over the side of the road. He gets off his bike and says, well, let's get you fixed. So this is a guy who stops his own race to help an idiot, to help some moron, not even prepared. And, you know, it takes him five minutes. The whole ordeal took 15 minutes to to change the tire. And the only thing I kept asking myself after that race, after telling people what happened, was, Rob, will you stop? And I can tell you the answer up to that point in my life was no. It doesn't mean I'm not a nice guy. It just means when it comes to competition, and life is a competition, when it comes to competition, if I get mine, great, and then I'll help somebody else out. Yeah. But what I stopped, the answer was no. Until that experience happened to me, and now I start seeking out ways that that has to be answered before it's even asked. If we think about life in general, if we're driving on the side of the road, how long do we have to think if we're going to stop and help somebody that's pulled over the side? Uh, a second? So yeah. we have to already be in that mindset of we're going to be helping somebody else out. How can I, I was seek looking that out? for somebody to Absolutely. help, yeah, and then they'll pop up. And that's why the book took off. And then, you know, it's how a better us makes a better you, and a better you makes a better us. Well, I hope you enjoyed that edition of our two-part series with Dr. Rob Bell. Make sure you come back next week for part two, where he talks a little bit more about how he coaches professional performers. You've been listening to the 2X Podcast. If you'd like to contact Bill, email him at bill at billkasky.com or follow him on Twitter at Bill Kasky.